Hey guys, welcome back to the Cinema Slayers podcast. It is I, the bearded one, the one who gave up smoking for good because now I only smoke for evil, Sterling. And as always, I am joined by the resident wrestler, yes sir, Justin. <laughs> hey, Cinema fans, your resident wrestler is back. And when I'm not back body dropping people high into the lights and onto a wrestling ring mat, I am watching and reviewing movies. It's great to see and hear the crew again. And we also have the leading lady of all Cinefans hearts, Heather. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us. And we have the candy bar in human form, Devin. Thanks for making the choice to listen to the man with the caramel voice. I hope you like this podcast as much as I like these tacos that I'm consuming. And we have a very awesome episode for you guys. We are continuing on with our Rebel Without a Crew Part 2, you know, little journey we're going on here. We have from the movie Monday, Kenneth McLaughlin. Yes, he said it right, too. I was staring. I was just staring at the name when I did it. <laughs> Welcome, man. Thanks a lot for having me on. I really appreciate it. So before we get into the whole Rebel Without a Crew thing, we're going to start us. We're going to start this off with our game we play. It's three questions. Loosely based on the questions that Rick asked people in The Walking Dead, but with a more cinematic flair to them. We're going to start it off with question number one. What are your top three TV shows? Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Shameless, and I would go with The Office. All right. We have, uh, when we played the game, The Office was brought up a lot when we were playing the game with ourselves and with a couple other guests. I mean, you can't, you can never go wrong with The Office. No, man. Those are one of the shows where you can just pop it on Netflix. Doesn't matter what episode it is. You're going to sit there and watch it and laugh at the same jokes you've <laughs> heard over and over again. Now, I, I do have to ask you this, since you said you could put it on any episode. So how many times have you watched Scott's Tots then? Scott's Tots. Oof. Maybe that twice. that just seems to be the one everybody skips. Yeah, like everybody skips yeah. that one. Yeah, there's, I'm not sure if that episode is like one of the main ones talked about for sure. But going back, I can't tell you like so many episodes i've fallen asleep to yeah well it's it's and it's not because it's a bad episode or anything like that it's just of those like cringy things that michael scott has done like that's yep. just the episode that is like the cringiest of all of them you gotta make the audience cringe a little bit you know to keep tuning in to see if they'll you know how far you can go yeah i will agree with that promising to uh pay little kids college tuition when they graduate from high school and knowing that you're not going to pay any of that is pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that one. Sterling. <laughs> that was pretty rough what he did in that episode. And then, and then thinking just getting them laptop batteries was just a fine <laughs> consolation. Yeah. that was. <laughs> Michael Scott's one of those characters where you kind of root for him, but then you get mad at him at the same time. And it's, you want, <laughs> You want the best for him, but you know it's not going to happen. And like I did, I loved all the memes that were coming out after LeBron started that school that he did, where he is actually paying the tuition for you know any kid that graduates from his school. He's paying their college tuition, and it's just everybody's like LeBron's tots and things like that. And it's <laughs> it was just really great to see. Like it was really easily tieable back to the office of like, oh, this is exactly what Michael wanted, and LeBron's doing it. Life imitating art, <laughs> right? So. We'll move on to question two. Where are your top three movies? Oh, man. I would always say that Snatch is one of my top three. I put Snatch in there. Uh, man. You're not the first one to say that, actually. So, yeah. 
Snatch is one of those just movies that just keeps you riding every time you watch it. And I love, I'm a big fan of accents and actors with accents. It keeps you engaged in the movie. So I always say that one, Heat, just because of the, the shootout scene all day long. Ah, uh, Heat, De Niro and Pacino. Yes, sir. Ah, uh, I, I can't, it's always hard to do the top three, but I guess I, I would throw Casino in there as well. Hey, yo, we're friends. <laughs> just, <laughs> I, I know Pulp Fiction should be in there as well. But. See, I thought I thought you were going to stumble a little more with, you know, how you were kind of wary at the beginning. I thought you were going to stumble a little more, but you, you made it through all three pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. I mean, I'm going to go back and listen to it. And be like, why did I not say this movie or this movie? But, you know, <laughs> when you're on the spot, you just think of the top ones that come to your mind right away. And I would say those ones are my top. So I got a question for me. Snatch is one of those moments movies that just has like so many fantastic moments. Um, and to me, it gets funny and funnier every time I see it. But what's your favorite moment in Snatch? This scene is a scene that I've always wanted to recreate with just myself as playing all the characters as, uh, the car scene where Tyrone backs into the, the van. It was yes. a funny angle. <laughs> Tyrone. <laughs> you silly it's right behind bastard. You. <laughs> Why not park over there? <laughs> when you reverse. Tyrone. You got a fucking jumbo jet in there. Oh, man. And then the way he resolves the situation, he goes, you ask for me, this is what happens. Yeah. <laughs> or when he's, like, getting out of the car at the gas station, when he's taking forever to get out. Oh, my God. I thought, I thought you, you said he, he was a driver. Driver. <laughs> What the fuck can he get away from? <laughs> Don't worry about Tyrone. He can move when he has to. Of <laughs> course I have. Oh, my God. That is fantastic. Um, my favorite is uh, the entire car crashing and the ending with Boris getting out and doing that chicken dance and getting hit by the car. <laughs> Every time I see that. I don't think uh, I've with actually... The cozy on his head. Yeah, with the cozy on Yeah, with the tea cozy on his head. I don't think I've actually seen that scene in its entirety more than once. Because once I know it's coming, I just can't stop laughing. And my eyes are closed because I just I could just hear it. So fucking funny. So good pick. And also, I so I'm so glad that you said Casino. That's my second favorite uh, Scorsese movie. And I, I like it better than Goodfellas. And people go, how could you like that better than Goodfellas? But I love it. I think it's great. Yeah, you look at the characters, you look at the acting, you look at the storyline. You know, it's kind of a period piece, but. Still, you know, you got Pacino, you got Sharon Stone's probably one of my top three all-time Ooh. female actors, but and she kills me every time I see her. Mm-hmm. Man, in that movie, she was gorgeous. Yeah, I had the biggest crush on her growing up. Like, I thought she was it. I love Sharon Stone growing Just up. Just raw talent. For sure. Raw talent. Yeah, but she's very talented. Yeah, very talented. I always liked Michelle Pfeiffer over her. Michelle over Sharon? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Michelle was awesome, too. I would say that, too, probably. But Ooh, I've seen more of Michelle a... Pfeiffer's work, probably. I mean, growing up, it was Grease 2 and, and Catwoman. And, you know, Batman Returns. I mean, that was that was tops back in the day. Yeah, that's, that's all I remember her from. That's why it's tough for me to pick her over Sharon. <laughs> but wasn't she in, like, uh, an epic, like, not higher learning, but some high school movie where she plays a teacher? Yes. Dangerous Minds. <laughs> Dangerous Minds. Yeah, yes, I was just yes, thinking yes. about that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Best thing about that was the Coolio song in the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> My first concert I've yes. ever been to. 
the best thing about that was the beef that started between Coolio and Weird Al Yankovic because of <laughs> Weird Al Yankovic parodying him. That is that. That was that was just a misunderstanding. <laughs> I actually didn't hear about this beef, but I believe you. It was a Weird Al always asked for permission to do his his parodies, and it's not because he has to. It's just he's polite and does. And apparently, Coolio's management gave him permission, but Coolio didn't, and he didn't know that. So he did the song. Oh, okay. And then Coolio was like, no, I did a very serious song, and you're, like, making fun of it. And he was like, I didn't know. Like, he, you know, he just didn't know at the time that Coolio wasn't, you know, okay with him doing that. I see. I didn't know that. Hmm. See, the more you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we'll use that as our segue to question three. What's your biggest guilty pleasure when it comes to movies or TV, and why? Realistically, am I being 100% honest here? Oh, yes. <laughs> Always. My first guilty <laughs> Jersey Shore is one of my top guiltiest pleasures. <laughs> All right. It was good talking to you. Thanks. Yes. No, <laughs> <laughs> it was nice meeting you. I know yeah, a lot of people here. that like it, actually. <laughs> I don't know. It's just something about, you know, train wrecks that you just love to watch on TV and you know it's not you. So you buy cares to live through them and. <laughs> do all the bad things you see on TV. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I could not stop watching that show to the end. I remember when it first came out and it was all the rage, but like for some reason, I, I, I was, it just kept me interested. And I don't know why. I don't know what it was. Looking back, I'm like, why did I even care about that show? But there was just something about those people, like the situation and. Just, I mean, <laughs> Vinny and all that. Just so over like, the top. Yeah, it was yeah. just so over the top. And then Sanuki. Like, I don't know. It was just something about that show that I just had to tune in and find out what was happening. But yeah, it, it was fun while it lasted. I'll admit that. That that was a definitely a guilty pleasure for me, too. So I totally know where you come from, man. <laughs> the guiltiest of the guiltiest. <laughs> Yes. But you're not yes. alone. <laughs> I appreciate not being yeah. alone on this. I do. <laughs> no, no, I totally understand because it's not good. But for some reason, it was fun to watch. <laughs> People want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, personally, I think you're a little alone on that. <laughs> <laughs> but we won't judge but, you for it. It's fine. <laughs> but Sterling, you know, back then, everybody was watching that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this is going well. They took it really well. And then boom. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's we don't judge you. Oh, I'm judging. But I mean, I, I, I respect the fact <laughs> that you came with it, though. Yeah, but, you know, it's it, it drags you in. And then when you get done with it, you're like, why did I do that? But then you tune in next week and do the same thing. And <laughs> You heard it here first, everybody. So if Kenny yes. never mentions it again. Come back and listen to this. And you'll hear all of his secrets. You heard it here first. Hopefully it's the last time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious. Did you have like a backup guilty pleasure? Because you were like, oh, do I have to be honest? Like what was what was going to be the one that you were like, oh, just in case I, you know, don't want to say Jersey Shore. What was this? What was your follow up to it? Ooh, the follow up is even worse. I can't even I won't even mention the follow up. <laughs> Jersey Shore. Now you have to. <laughs> oh no, I don't know why I was just so into like this reality shows and growing up and just watching other people try to do art, you know, and try to go out in the scene and own their own business, stuff like that. So I used to watch those 
lame OC shows on MTV or, you know, the Kardashians. And it's like, I would tune in. I wouldn't watch the whole thing, but I would tune in for a minute to see some drama and then move on. But that's between us. Don't tell anybody else. <laughs> All right. You heard it here first. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> that's not the worst that we've heard, honestly. I like I like watching the Kardashians. I'll own that. I like watching the Kardashians. That's not even guilty pleasure to me. That's just one hundred percent pleasure. What? Really? A real train wreck. <laughs> oh, I love watching them. I, Scott is my favorite person in the entire world. <laughs> Why? I've just never seen anybody that is like that charismatic yet just the biggest piece of shit ever. Yes, oh, I love it. <laughs> Like, he is unapologetically the shittiest human being that's ever lived, and I love it. Those moments are the best, you know, the the black sheep of the black sheep. Yeah, I just, I want to be his best friend. Like, I want to have sleepovers and, like, do fondue nights and shit like that with Scott Disick. I just think that'd be the greatest thing in the world. It would definitely be entertaining. It would be a, it'd be a fun night for sure. Dream big, Sterling. Dream big. <laughs> Kenny, do not let these people get you down, man. I loved Jersey Shore when it was new too, man. I watched it all the time. It was a thing with me and my wife. Uh, and I always told people, they're like, why do you watch Jersey Shore? That's so stupid. And I'll say, it's like going to the zoo without the smell. It's fantastic. <laughs> and uh, it's <laughs> and uh, and so you don't let these guys get you down. You got an ally over here. Uh, <laughs> you, you, I understand the situation. <laughs> I understand the situation over here, so don't worry about it, man. I got your back. I appreciate so much the support. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like a support group. You know, it feels good. I, I really appreciate it. You know, you guys let me open up my heart and I get supported still. <laughs> I appreciate it. You feel accepted now? Do you feel accepted? I feel accepted and I might say some things that I don't tell everybody else. So let's continue. I like Excellent. it. Excellent. It's the goal. That's the goal. We can be the Black Guido connection. <laughs> I like it. Got me spilling guts over. <laughs> we eat like chitlins with marinara sauce on them or something. I don't know. We'll work it out. <laughs> yeah, I was not ready for that one. All right, we'll we'll jump into it though. We'll jump into the you know talking to you about all of this other fun stuff we have. Um, so we'll start it off with kind of a similar question that I've asked our our last two guests that have been in in some of the acting roles and stuff like that. So. Episode three, which will have aired yesterday of Rebel Without a Crew, it it deals with the casting of the movie. Now, you were in Monday, you were in Alejandro's movie Monday, but you didn't have to go through this casting process because you were his plus one. So how happy were you that you didn't have to go through that craziness that was that casting day? Oh, the casting day was crazy Oh, from what I heard. Um, I'm actually technically not the plus one. That was uh, Ryan Halsey was uh, Alejandro's plus one because I was uh, one of the lead characters. I was there for most of the time. So it made it look kind of look like I was the plus one. But I uh, see now I just feel deceived by by movie magic movie. Yeah, right. Right. I just put myself put myself so much in front of the camera. You think that I'm part of the crew, you know, kind of thing. That's the way to play it. You know, as an actor and a assistant director, you know, you try to find ways to be part of it even more than other people. <laughs> But the casting thing was crazy. I mean, he got on the phone with me right afterwards and was like, man, you have no idea what I had to go through. This is crazy. And, you know, I heard it all from him. And to be able to be in the short film before and be a part of the feature as well was a blessing and not have to go through the madness that the uh, Austin actors had to go through. Bless their hearts. Uh, right. Yeah, it looked like a madhouse on that episode. That was crazy. 
Oh man, when you're there and you have like 200 other people around you, they're all actors and no one knows what's going on and having to put trust in people when there's cameras around you. It's, it had to have been a crazy experience that I hopefully will not have to endure. So while you were um, on that casting day, um, what were you doing to kind of support Alejandro uh, just to kind of uh, made that day uh, a little bit less strenuous. Pretty much just taking the phone calls, letting him, you know, um, talk to me about what was going on through the situation. I was technically on the road driving from Albuquerque to Texas during the situation. So I was getting phone calls every half an hour, hour, let me know what was going on. And you could just hear what was going on in the background and then his voice about what was going on. And it was definitely a challenge for him that, you know, kind of really made him stronger in the casting process and everything else going forward. So then you knew Alejandro before this, correct? Yeah, I met Alejandro back in 2009. He was a crew and I was a talent on a project and I met him and his uh, other buddy that were doing a project that I was very interested in and we just kicked it off after that. That's awesome. Wow. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I was going to ask you how you met. That's really cool. They were doing a, a TV show or a web series that I was very interested in and I really wanted to be a part of and act inside of it. So it acted on an episode and then we just kicked off doing the other projects after that. So how much have you worked with Alejandro? Like um, how many projects have y'all done together thus far? Oh, man, we've done, I would say, five short films. We've done Leslie, The Joneses, Monday, um, Lo-Fi, Princess and the Musician. Yeah, five shorts. A pilot, I would say about five commercials and uh, worked on the web series. And so off the top of my head, right around 10 projects, 10 to 12 projects we've done together over the past nine, 10 years. Wow. I do have to say Leslie is amazing. I did see that. And that was that was one of my favorite shorts that I've seen. It's really good. So props to you on that. Thank you. Yeah, Leslie was definitely one of those really touching projects for for both of us because we've done comedies before and we've tried different things, you know, action comedy, romantic comedy, buddy comedy kind of thing. And we wanted to try to see if we can nail down some drama. And it was definitely a different atmosphere, but the product that came out of it, we are definitely proud of. And I'm personally very proud of. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, it's interesting because the, like the, it, it always depends on your lead, you know, or like who the, who the focus of the film is on. And I don't remember Leslie's name who played her, but she was phenomenal. Like she was just so believable and realistic. It was so good. Yeah, that was uh, Kika. She's uh, based out of L.A. right now and doing big things. Right. And she's just amazing, amazing work yeah, and working great. with her. And it was a blessing. That's awesome. Cool. So I didn't realize that you had had that much history with Alejandro. So that's really interesting. I didn't know that you had done so many different projects with him prior to the Monday movie for Rebel Without a Crew. So, uh, so talk about a little bit about like what happened when you got there and how important that chemistry was. Cause I'm sure that that came in handy, him knowing that you, you two being familiar with each other, especially given the time constraints and the, I'm sure the, 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 with that less amount of time that you guys had to shoot, I'm pretty sure having the chemistry with somebody like that was helpful. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. We mean, we both have a really big passion for filmmaking and both of our families, we're, uh, you know, kind of not so much outsiders, but different paths we went, you know, and I wanted to be a filmmaker. I wanted to be an actor ever since I was, 
probably 10, 12 years old watching movies. Like, I just want to do, I want to react this. I bet you I could do that and try to react them. And I always wanted to be an actor. That was my full thing. That's all I wanted to do throughout high school. Are you going to go to college? No, I'm, I'm going right back into acting. I'm going to be an actor. And it was just all I wanted to do. And that's all he wanted to do was be a director and a filmmaker. And that's his whole life. And that's whole my life. And we found that in each other when we clicked and then started making projects. And of course, you know, you have your fights, you have your ups and downs, but I mean, us working together, we just, we find that click and we find people around us. We have that talent to find other people to help us be better as well. And, and we have the same personality, same kind of, you know, uh, sense of humor and we joke around a lot. So I think we can give each other a hard time, you know, but knowing that it's, it's meant to be, you have to be stern at that moment. We'll get mad at each other now, but then we'll have a beer later on and talk about it. So it's really, I think that's the key thing that really got us through this process and kept us moving forward and just wanting to get the project done and really well and, you know, put on an entertainment and enjoy, have people enjoy it. So um, can you tell us, because I know you said right out of high school, um, you were like, I, I want to be an actor and I'm, I'm going to go for this. Um, and my question for you is, what was that first break you got, that first movie you were in? And you were like, ha see, I told you, motherfuckers, I'm doing it. This was 2011. 2011 was a really big turning point in my life. I was, you know, did the whole pack of my car, go to L.A. I'm going to try to do it and got out there and failed miserably within a week. But at the end of that week, I got a call from my agent saying they want me for a three week project to be a background actor, a feature background in a movie called 10 Years, which was a low budget to, you know, big budget standards. It was uh, produced by Channing Tatum and uh, had Rosario Dawson, Chris Pratt, Justin Long, all these big name actors in it. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'll do that. Come on back home, put my tail between my legs. And but now I have a project to look forward to. And got on there and ended up getting bumped up in my first speaking role in a major motion picture. I got to work with Chris Pratt opposite of him. And that moment when wow. the director, yeah, yeah, it was one of those, like, I'm just going to go there background, come back. I don't have a Zero job. Zero to this 60 in like a day. Yeah. <laughs> a, a day. So I get on there and the assistant director said these beautiful words to me. He says, Kenny, you're already on contract. So you can improv. There's an improv scene. You can say whatever you want. And I'm looking over, I'm looking at Chris Pratt and Aaron Yu, and I'm like, I think that was the turning point where it's like, okay, I can't let things get you down. Can't let things get you down, you know. One thing fails, another thing is going to be opening up for you. So you just got to keep open to opportunities when others fail. That's awesome. All right, failure is just a path to success as long as you're learning, man. That's great. Hey, I got a a question for you. When you looked into Chris Pratt's eyes, did you know he would one day be an American sweetheart? You go. (laughs) This guy one day is going to dominate everything. <laughs> you know what? That 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 whole the whole period I look back on and I'm seeing these other actors like uh, Oscar Isaacs. I got to hang out with him for a while and he taught me how to play yes. a little bit of guitar. Wow, that's and awesome. Wow. All these actors that just blew up right after 2011 and like, I saw Star Wars. I'm like, man, I hung out with that dude. Like he, it's weird seeing it. And then Chris Pratt and Jurassic Park and, you know, he's not galaxy and all this stuff and i'm like oh man if i could just run into these people again just to be like you know i was there when right before you guys hit it up and it was great talking with you guys and i bet you they're the same people too because they're so down to earth i bet you they act the same way and to see him succeed after that is it's amazing wow yeah i'm i'm looking at the cast of that movie and it's it's really insane because you've got channing tatum rosario dawson chris pratt justin long oscar isaac uh 
Aubrey Anthony Plaza. Mackie. Yeah, Anthony Mackie, Ron Livingston. I mean, that is crazy. And I feel like weird wow. that I've never even heard of that movie. Yeah, like especially with that cast. It's a great date movie. I've never even heard of this. I have I've never even heard of this. And I consider myself pretty good at getting those under the radar movies. because uh, I started like in Channing Table Tank shit. Channing Tatum after um uh How to Recognize Your Saints. Um Oh yeah. That was really great. And I was like, I think there might be something with this Channing fella. And uh, I haven't even heard of this. I'm so disappointed in myself. No, it it was a very under-the-radar movie. It went uh, select theaters, and then it had DVDs. But, I mean, it was uh, produced by Channing. I think the budget was like $4 million. Very low, and you have all these big-name actors. It's kind of like... And also, it was Jamie Linden's directorial debut. He wrote, you know, it was the... I think he was a producer of uh, The Notebook. And this was his like de- debut directing. So um, I imagine he just called up all his buddies. Hey, man, can you just fly down to Albuquerque for a few, you know, so one day. You don't have no wardrobe changes or nothing. Just come down and help me out. And I think that's what happened. See, where you messed up, Devin, is you would have known that if you had been a fan of him since Step Up. Yep. <laughs> no and no and no. If I want to see Chattington dance, I'm going to see him dance the way he was meant to as a stripper and watch Magic Mike. That's just how it's going to happen. I I got. I, you can have your cake and eat it too, and just watch both movies because they're no, both great. Because you know what? Because I love myself and I hate myself, but I try not to punish the hate side. I try to show love to that side. So I've seen Step Up once, and that's enough. And I'm sorry, Channing, if you listen to this, because I'm pretty sure you have nothing better to do. But I, I just can't get with Step <laughs> Up. You are a great dancer and a great actor. But I'm, I'm going to watch that movie once, and I'm going to watch many of your other films that I enjoy instead. Kenny, you have an IMDb page, bruh. That's yes, fucking and bad. I'm very disappointed. I'm very disappointed that I'm, you know, not taking care of that as much as I should be. Well, you, you know what? I, I am not disappointed in you because when I type in Devin Williams in IMDb, you know what the fuck comes up? Nothing. Not a goddamn thing. So you, you are <laughs> actually there's a lot of producers named Devin Williams. Oh, OK. See, you're just a fucking liar. None of them are me, though. <laughs> so that's it. That, you know, there you go. So you keep doing your thing, man. That's awesome. I appreciate that. It's been a long, hard road, but I mean, each year it gets better and it's even funner. See, I need to start my IMDb page because I have been a paid extra in a movie. So, you know, I really I need to step up and, you know, no pun intended when I say that and uh, (laughs) make sure that, you know, I need to get up, step up my game on this. Get my IMDb rolling. So, Kenny, how tall are you, man? I'm right at six foot one inch. See, here's the thing, because I was I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. I was a. watching just like different physical I was going over this little paper that got published a little study about different physical characteristics that allow you to be um, more successful uh, in life and one of them is actually height so you're credited in 10 years as taller geek and shorter geek isn't even <laughs> isn't even mentioned in that shit so like you just be a six one. You know, it just really helped you out. Like if you would have been, if you would have been five ten, they wouldn't have given you shit. That's just kind of fucked up. So I just want to say that. I just thought that was hilarious. No, the, the thing is with with how I got that speaking part was uh, there's like a, there's a group of us geeks that are with one of the main actors, and I guess 
this guy, I was just talking to him. He's playing one of the geeks and we're just, you know, rapping, people watching, you know, just talk, shooting the shit. And, um, he's like, Hey man, I'll be right back. And I go over there and he's talking to the director and he points at me and, you know, tells me to come over. And he ended up being the executive producer of the movie and he did all the Twilight movies. So, and he's like, you're going to be here on Monday. I got a line for you. And I, I just lost my shit then. Did you lose your shit like right there in front of him? No, no, I, okay. I walked away like confused, like, like, wow, that's amazing. Like, yeah, because, you know, as background, that's what you every day go on set waiting for, you know, like an opportunity yeah. to get bumped up to say a line. And when it happens, you're like, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm here Monday. Let's get it going. And but then after that, I'm like freaking out. Do you remember your line? What was your line? Yes. Uh, the line didn't make sense. So they actually ended up cutting it in the uh, cutting room floor. But uh, Chris Pratt's character He's a drunk and he's like the old school, uh, you know, jock bully that picked on all the geeks. And his goal at this reunion is to make amends and, you know, apologize and, you know, try to be a better person. And he apologizes to me and I go like, oh, no, man, you don't owe me an apology. We never ran into each other. So it moved on. So it didn't make sense in the movie. So I, I really understand why they cut it. But I got to do another improv scene with him and just just doing it doesn't matter who saw it. Just being able to do that and act with him. Was out of control. Right. That's awesome. Hey, sometimes the best scenes are the deleted scenes. One of our favorite things to do is go through and watch movies, deleted scenes, and just see what the hell happened and, and what they cut and what they didn't cut. Because it's always, it's always a good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The greatest moment, the greatest moment was after the next day after that improv scene, I was helping him do stand-in for Anthony. And he comes up and I was, hey, what's going on? He's like, hey, you did that scene yesterday with Chris, huh? I was like, yes, sir. He's like, oh, man, that shit was hilarious, man. And walked off. And I was like, that's that's Anthony. That's Papa Doc just told me that. I was like, what? Exactly. Papa Doc <laughs> right there, I Doc. Like, I was like, what? What's going on right now? That is awesome, man. That is like, that is that is great. Man, you guys have good stories. So going back a little bit to uh, Rebel Without a Clue, or Crew, sorry, Without a Clue, Rebel Without a Crew. <laughs> I like how you said that, too, because you said you said clue like you were going to say crew. And you're like, no, no, no. Crew is yeah, wrong. It was like my brain just. Yeah, I know. Like my brain just did real not precise in how you said at it at that moment. Yeah, I was like clue. Like I really knew what I was talking about. OK, back to rebel. Back to Rebel without a crew. So, I mean, seeing that you had so much experience doing different films and shorts and stuff already, talk about how challenging it was to then do that movie Monday for Rebel without a crew, especially with a film crew there also filming you guys, stopping you guys and things like that. So did it help that you had those prior experiences or did you feel like this was a different experience entirely adjusting to all of that. Well, I mean, like growing, like trying to build up your own resume here, like we've had to do like guerrilla filmmaking at its, you know, the finest trying to, you know, get people to work for free as far as, you know, doing that, getting background actors, but being in Austin, mm-hmm. being in Austin in a city you've never been to and not being able to tell anybody what you're doing, where you're at, what you're part of. And, you know, as, you know, casting or assistant director, you go to Facebook and put out feelers out there, try to get information back and you can't do that and you lose all your resources. So you just, you go to just the rules of the show. And, and the thing is about the show is it's not a competition. They don't want, it's not a reality show. It's a docuseries. So they want you 
to do well. They want you to succeed, but they want to show the challenge of filmmaking. So they don't throw things at you that to make you go off so you fail. They want you to succeed. So doing this with zero crew was a lot easier with that being said, with not being a reality show, a docuseries opposed to that. So it was <laughs> looking back on it, just having three people try to put together a film, you know, Ryan Halsey with being the plus one, me being able to help out because I'm acting and every scene, every day, you had to be in front of the camera to be there to help out. So, and I was in front of the camera most of the time because I'm one of the leads. So we had to be able to do that. And my experience with uh, helping him out with other films, you know, and dealing with the stress of that, we had to just pull forward and we really believed in the project. So I think when you believe in something like that and you have a team as small as we had and the drive of Austin and their actors, it's, they came together, thankfully, and we did well. Now, one of the, the funniest things we've had is when we interviewed Alejandro and he was talking about, you know, things, you know, that happened that, you know, were like setbacks and, you know, things that happened during the show. He did not mention the whole like his computer bag getting run over thing. So we had already interviewed him and then we saw that scene. I was like, damn, how did he not mention that? So like in like a weird like reversal of things, like was there anything that they didn't show that you wish they had? On the show? Uh, no. I mean, the only thing I would say, I wish the, the episodes were longer so they could show more. But I mean, I, I really think they did a really good job with the editing and producing a lot of, you know, some drama here and some great stuff here. And I really think they did a great job with it. But I, I bet you there's so much more footage that they could have made it longer. That's my only thing. But I think I saw the first run through Go 90. It was, it was really well done. And I, of course, as an actor, you have that, you know, I wish there was more of them showing me acting. But I mean, that's just, you know, the inside of an actor. But besides that, I think they really showcased a lot of the good stuff. So a little question of Rooney here. Now, not only did you have to be an actor, but you were also the cinematographer. So how was getting because one of the things I really loved about Monday um, was the cinematography. And I think I even equated it to Snatch. I could I could really feel that the, the pace of that felt a lot like a Guy Ritchie film to me. How how was that for you and and playing both of those roles? Uh, I would love to take credit for the cinematography, but that was our uh, our buddy Ryan Halsey. He took care of all that. I was just his uh pretty much his gaffer and you know helping him out moving stuff around. But yeah, he he has a crazy fast mind of moving fast and lighting and having to be on the run and have a great attitude as well because him and Alejandro have a pass as well. And you can see that when they work together. But when you say, you know, fill a snatch, I know Alejandro really wanted to make this movie fast paced and keep you moving, keep the music entertaining you that way. Cause you know, where we're going to make mistakes this $7,000 movie, 14 day shoot with no crew. And you know, everything's not going to be perfect, but we want to keep you entertained and keep you moving and keep you excited and, keep you entertained so that way you don't notice the flaws in the scenes. Just, just pay attention to the characters and follow them and have a lot of fun with it. I, I, I do feel bad for, for Ryan. We're not intentionally uh, forgetting you or trying to do anything. We just didn't know. We're sorry, Ryan. We just want to say that real quick. <laughs> yeah, bad, Ryan. Much love to you, Ryan. For, man, much love for you, dog. We like your work, man. We like Ryan. your shit. Oh, he's an amazing person to work with. Just always always educational, always ready to teach you. I mean, he's learned so much going through and when someone messes up, you don't, he doesn't get mad. Like, Hey, let me show you how to get it done right way. So we you know we get this thing moving. And I would have to ask him so many questions about, you know, just basic stuff, you know, 
all right, how do we pack a C-stand correctly? Because you always had to have everything packed up, ready to go with our locations. We had so many. So we learned by like day six how to, you know, pack stuff up the way he likes it, you know, because that's a big thing with cinematographers and, you know, and DPs that they like their stuff, you know, in a way, especially when you're moving so much. So, but it's, he's a good man. And I really highly recommend if anybody looking for a DP or a cinematographer, hit him up in the Albuquerque area. Now, Kenny, I also noticed that, um, like, even in the pics that you said for your favorite TV shows, you do like a lot of comedies. So, and obviously, Monday has many elements of that in it. What is it that draws you to comedies? Um, is it, would you say that there's something that draws you more to those than others? Or um, why is that kind of more of something that seems to be your, your wheelhouse? I think with, with me, when I first got into acting, and I felt like I really wanted to be an actor, was on stage. And I just had this small part, one liner in this play. And I went out and did that one line and everybody laughed. The whole place like erupted in laughter and just hit me like a wall of love. And I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Entertain people and laugh. And if I can be entertained and laugh, like laugh at them. And I think that's where it spawned from my attention going straight to that other than other genres of film. Mm -hmm. But uh, comedy, like, I'm just really intrigued by, as you can tell by um, my pick for Always Sunny in Philadelphia, knowing that uh, comedy is going past 13 seasons. It's it's really inspiring to see that. And it's funny. And the acting has right. to be, like, spot on for you to laugh at something. So I think that's what really draw my attention to it. That's awesome. Because I always, I don't know, like, I had um, a stage in my life where I really thought that acting is what I wanted to do. And I was like, I could never do comedies because for me, I feel like sometimes those would be the more difficult ones to do because like if like if you're not funny, then I mean, especially like if you're supposed to be the comic relief or if like the the funny lines are kind of dependent on you and you don't deliver those there. I feel like there's just so much more pressure on that. So sometimes I feel like those who can do the comedy movies and be those funny characters Sometimes I feel like those are the amazing performances because especially these days, you feel like everything's the same and, you know, everything's kind of done the same way that if you can stand out and still make someone laugh, it's, it's just kind of a really, I, I can imagine that being a really awesome feeling. So yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. There's no feeling like I, I didn't think I could be a comedic actor until I got the support after the movie, you know, and after the short film too, I mean, People tell me, oh, yeah, you, man, you killed it in that movie. You're so funny. And I never heard that. You know, you're so funny. And it really brings you confidence up to that and being able to put out a project and people laugh at you and call you a good actor. And it just keeps you motivated and keep you going. And to be able to have someone be like, I want to know more about Paul. I want to I want to know Paul's story. Paul, obviously, as you know, is the character in Monday. And mm -hmm. to be able to to be able to put that into a feature film and carry it on. I was like, oh, man. Now some character development, something I've been really wanting to do. See, showcase that I can carry a scene more than just one scene. I can carry a character for longer throughout the story. And it was really a challenge for me. And it was a goal to really make the character Paul that person to be able to convince myself that I can, you know, actually do this kind of thing. But you totally delivered. So we are glad that you were Paul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I appreciate that so much. Well, I know Paul likes to party because he was trying to wrangle himself a three-way with some bitches on a Monday. <laughs> so I don't... Oh, I was like, man, Paul was doing it all. He said, fuck having a bad Monday. Mondays are my hands. 
We have a good Monday today. Paul's an op- opportunity. Yeah, he is. He is an opportunity. <laughs> He's an opportunist, man. That dude, carpe diem. Well, Paul, Paul was in a really bad uh, marriage for years and being controlled, and you know, and he finally broke out, and he really hit the streets when he broke out. So I, I think that's one thing I really liked about Paul. Uh, because of, you know, it was funny. Your portrayal of it was funny about that fear about the ex just showing up and how they just continually like fuck with your life. And while I've never been divorced, I do have an ex that just thinking about them being implanted in any of my daily activities would just ruin everything. And I would do anything to avoid them. Like if I was on a bridge. <laughs> And I saw them coming on the bridge and it was a narrow bridge. I would I wouldn't jump off, but I'd try to like Metal Gear Solid and hang off the edge. But I know that bitch <laughs> I know that bitch would stomp on my hands and kill me. So I loved it. I love that he's just like anything he can do to get away from her. <laughs> I loved it. It's great. And it's so great that we uh we're grinding the gears and making the pathway so that we can make the sequel to uh, showcase more of Paul and his ex-wife and the adventures that continue on after Monday. That's awesome. So there, it's going to be more of you in the second movie. Uh, yes. Um, I can't go into more detail, but char- there are characters that do come back and there are characters that, um, you know, follow and continue on throughout, go, yeah. go throughout the week of this crazy madness that is, uh, Jim's life. Okay, so I know you can't awesome. tell us too much, but can I try to guess the title? Are you guys gonna do like an I I Ice Cube thing like next Monday? You know, like <laughs> Monday after next, you know, something like that. Or <laughs> is it gonna be Tuesday? Or is it gonna be like fuck Mondays? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, right now we're in talk. We're in talks about calling it Tuesday. It's uh, supposed to be following the very next day of what happens right after the madness. So. Nice. Well, you guys are going straight in Infinity War. Cool. I like that. Just going to pick up right off. I love that. I love that. That's my favorite thing in a TV show or a movie where like it just picks up right after it ends. I know that's so stupid, but I love that. No, it's just like, yes, this is fresh wounds right here. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's uh, that's something we're thinking about. You know, we have so many ideas coming up this year. I mean, we have a movie we're going to be shooting in January, which is uh, really going to be another one of our passion pieces as well, kind of like take us back to the Leslie days, but add in some of the comedy as well. So we're gearing up. I just actually finished my casting schedule. We're doing a casting call next Sunday for it and uh, gearing up for that shoot to uh, keep the ball rolling. And what's the social experiment? Alejandro on Facebook was like, all right, just let you guys know I'm doing an experiment. Film and social. Uh, I'll tell you about it next year. Bye. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Oh man, he he's a very promotional state of mind, you know, when it comes to these kind of things cuz you know, we're an independent company and we have to promote, promote, promote and get people to either talk about us or hear about us or you know, read about us. So, he likes to tease, send out teasers out there. He loves to make these videos and everybody, anybody should go to his YouTube page. It's Alejandro Montoya Marin on uh YouTube and the showcases are following around us, going to film festivals, behind the scenes of us shooting movies, commercials, and just pr- pretty much promoting everything that we do. And he loves doing that on Facebook to get people to, you know, keep checking back in. And he loves to experiment with different things and put it out there just to see what catches. And this is one of those things. And I couldn't go into more detail. I will definitely allow him to do that. 
Now, the real question, because we do love Alejandro on this show, have you been able to master his voice the way that Ryan and Josh have? <laughs> I don't know if you heard their impressions of him, but it's amazing. Like, it sounds oh just God. like him. <laughs> I, I can't do his voice <laughs> quite like it, but man, we were in, in uh, Los Angeles and in Ryan. Oh my gosh, he put on the glasses and everything and just did, <laughs> went to town, did a video. And I'm not sure if he ran across it. I know he posted it on Facebook and Instagram, but it was yes, just so Yes, it was amazing. On. It really was. Oh my God, it was just cracking. I can't do the voice, but I can do the mannerisms, like his body language when he's on set or uh, walking around or talking, but I can't do the voice, not at all. But it's it's hilarious to see other people do it, though. So do you have any upcoming projects that you can talk about? Yeah, yeah, we have um, the movie should be got going on in January. It's a movie called Millennium Bugs. It's um, another feature that we're going to get together and bring back some actors that we used back in Austin, hopefully, and uh, get the casting call next Sunday. And God willing, we get started in January, get it done, so we can, you know, just put out another product. And you know, he loves to write, and this piece I'm very, very happy about doing. It's because we're going to do a period piece about. Um, Oh man, I don't know how much detail I can go into about it though, but it's, it's basically about two friends learning themselves before something that they think is going to happen, happen and going through life and just going into a new millennium. Ooh, that sounds intriguing. I already like it. So yes. It's a kind of, it's a buddy, buddy uh, comedy. Kenny, do you fucking work for Marvel or some shit? Jesus. <laughs> I can't like, talk about it. I cannot. Fuck, this guy, you is. Uh, do you work for uh, Alejandro or, or Gandalf? Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Is like, <laughs> are you going? Are you going to fucking Mordor? Is that what you're doing? Is that what's happening? Are you going to destroy the destroy no, the I, Run Ring? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just messing with you. I'm messing with you. I understand. I, I totally understand. But you're building the suspense over here. It's like I'm watching Dragon Ball Z again. Find out next year. Will Goku kill Frieza? Find out next year on Dragon Ball Z. Just <laughs> edge of our seats right now, man. And we're not even watching a movie. I can't wait till this shit comes out. I know. It's going to be good. Yeah, well, you know those moments where you uh, you think about, you know, oh, this would be a good idea, and you say it. So I'm not, not saying that they, you know, they would do something about it, but you, then again, you see it like months later, like, oh, man, they stole my idea. Not saying anybody would, but it's like putting it out in the atmosphere. It just feels like, you know, right. keep it on the wraps until it's done and then, then surprise them with it. And, and I think it's what we did with Leslie. Because when we, like, yeah, we're seeing another movie, short film called Leslie. Oh, it's going to be another romantic comedy, you know, this kind of thing. So then we hit it out there and, oh, it's a drama? And then it yeah, has that, you know, that element of surprise. Like, oh, okay, now I really want to see it. I don't, I don't know if he can do a drama and then brings him to the seats. So. Kind of keep that kind of shadowy, you know, information in the shadows until we can actually really put it out there. I can respect that, man. I respect that. Respectful. Respect. <laughs> but then now, knowing my luck, Alejandro's going to be like, well, why didn't you go into more detail? You should have told him everything. About <laughs> and that means we'll just have to have you guys back on when all this stuff comes out to talk about it more. That would be amazing. Yeah, you're going to get tired of getting emails from us. Hey. Hey there, bud. It's like, I'm over it, guys. No. Get <laughs> back kidding. on the show. <laughs> no way. Anytime you invite us, we will be on. Absolutely. Excellent. Now, going back a little bit to... Now, you have to remember you said that. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, we wrote it. We have it actually on recording. That's a, so, that's a verbal yeah, contract. Exactly. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're going to be on you if you do not live up to this. Expect a legal document if you ever don't show the fuck up. <laughs> Joking. Joking. Expect Devin at your door with that contract mm-hmm. to remind you of the details if you're not there. Well, I will. It will be on Thanksgiving, Duh. and I will have booze, so we'll get it signed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hey, hey, that's when you know you're doing it right. <laughs> um, I just wanted to go back a little bit to Rebel Without a Crew, and I guess I just wanted to like from the standpoint of someone who was really in it the whole time, the whole process of everything that happened. um, Is it, I mean, did you feel like you were really like in it? Like, did you feel the stress and the energy and everything as much as Alejandro might have just because, I mean, you were by his side and you were in this thing the whole time. Do you feel like it was, I mean, was it kind of like a crash course for you? I mean, I know you had done stuff previously, but I mean, what was kind of like your, your vibe and your your takeaway from it was it something that you know did you feel like you you were ready for it when it happened or were you just kind of like you didn't expect what it was ah i was ready and not ready at the same time i was ready for an adventure i was ready to shoot monday ready to you know do another film you're always eager to do it and you kind of overlook the things that are going through but he was in a hundred percent so he had cameras following him around 24 7 throughout the whole experience i was able to break away so i didn't feel as much stress at all as much as he did but uh i mean going through a day-to-day and you know dealing with only doing nine hours a day of shooting and trying to get so many pages done per day and locations and moving and scheduling time because you have to you lose an hour in the beginning you lose an hour at the end because of travel time and interviews with the camera crew and everything like that so i mean Every day was a little bit of stressful trying to get everything done and make the day, as they say, and uh, do a guerrilla style and get the sound together and help Ryan out, whatever needs to get done and get actors mic'd up and remember lines. And that, that was my biggest thing was trying to remember my lines and do help out as much as I can. And you get to the point, oh, oh, yeah, my scene's up next. I better start remembering my lines. But I mean, I, I love the, the atmosphere of filmmaking. I love the hustle and bustle. I love, you know, being in front of the camera. So that standpoint was not a, not that big of a deal of being followed around. It was a lot of fun being a part of it. And, and then when you, you know, you realize what you're a part of and the opportunity that was given to you and you fought for and you just want to do a good job and it doesn't matter the obstacles and the hills. You just got to keep climbing, keep going forward and try to get it done in the best way possible and put out something entertaining. And I think that drove us all each day. Uh, after the 14 day shoot of being followed around, but it was, it was such a great experience to be watching Alejandro be mentored by one of his, you know, his idols and to see the spark mm-hmm. in his eye. Oh, I just got done talking to uh, Robert. He told me this and he sent me this email and, and you start calling him Robert. You don't call him Robert Rodriguez and you start, you know, flipping <laughs> out because, and, but it's, it was an experience to where it will carry on to other projects, which I'm so excited about doing this next one that we can actually have a crew and, you know, base off the experience with Monday and bring it to that and have yeah just, it's, it's an amazing time. And it was stressful. It was a lot of fun. It was long and hard, but I would not change anything about it. Awesome. Sorry. It's an office reference. I just, I just right there. I'm sorry. It is right there. It's wide open. That's what she said. Anyway, I have to leave it in there. <laughs> 
<laughs> to be honest, I didn't actually hear what you said. That's why I didn't respond. But that makes sense now. I get it. Okay. Let me do it better this time. And then maybe Sterling to fix it. Okay. Three, two, one. <laughs> That's what she said. hey Hey, got him. <laughs> okay. So, Kenny, um, you are as cool as a cucumber slipping a... Sipping a Slurpee in a snowstorm, my man. So what gets to you? <laughs> That's of highest compliment from Devin. Well, I mean, so. yeah, yeah. You're super zen, man. So what is there anything on set that kind of gets to you? Is there anything like if it happens, you're like, fuck, what did that have to happen? Is there anything that just irks you a little bit when you work it? When it rains on you. <laughs> oh yeah. oh yeah, 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 that's true. Oh, that yeah. would have to be the worst. Oh man, you just have to. Run. Was, oh yeah, because yep. they they told us about that. Actually, I can't remember who told us about that. Mm-hmm. The rain came. Alejandro, yeah, I think. Alejandro, yeah, they just yeah. poured, and you have to run and get all the shit in, and oh, and you were like moving mm-hmm. in the middle, moving locations. God, that must have been awful. Yeah, and it was cold too. It was October, so I mean, when you get there, you're trying to make you know as much as possible. We had to reshoot, not reshoot, but like we shot one of our scenes in three different locations and made it look like one because we had to do that because of weather, because of scheduling and because of just the events that was going on. And we had like, we had like some things with fireworks because it was the, the World Series was going on as well. And the Astro, that was the year the Astros went. It was, it's just mm-hmm. dealing with, you know, the elements of like that where something you can't control and you just got to, just keep moving on. I think that was one of the moments where, you know, sometimes you get a little snippy with other people, but it's like, no, nothing you can do about it. Let's pack up. Let's get wet. Let's move the stuff over, finish out the day. We'll come back to this tomorrow and just have to keep pushing forward. You know, I can't stress that enough to, you can't sit there and just dwell on it. You can for a second, but you just got to yell it out and then move on. As a wise man once said to me, control the controllable. I like that. Yes. Yes, sir. So just thinking about when you wrapped up, when you and Alejandro and everyone wrapped up at Rebel Without a Crew, what would you say were some key takeaways from that experience? Did you feel like you grew as an actor, as an assistant director, all the positions that you had and you were so much involved with that process with Alejandro? What were some things that you felt like helped you grow or some experiences that you took away that you think you could take to other projects in the future oh being confident in my improv and being more confident as an actor in general i'm gonna take this whole experience really boosted my ego and my confidence of becoming an actor and, and moving forward and going to auditions and you know just going to it because i learned so much from being on the other side of the table as you know as a casting director quote unquote and seeing the what goes on on that side and then really transformed me into doing better on the other side not worrying about oh did i do bad or remembering my lines did i do it verbatim you just go in there and do the best have fun get out of there because casting i've come to learn it's just like a lottery you can't go in there oh i killed it get your hopes up yeah there's no doubt i got it no you got to go in there and be like oh maybe it'll happen and because you can go in there and do the dialogue perfect you can do the accent perfect you can nail all the lines and do everything great but because you're too tall or because you're too good looking you know there's certain things that go into casting that you have no control over so you just go in there be confident have fun and just hope for the best i took away that and as well as you know just being being honest and truthful to your director and really 
supporting them and listening to them and trusting them because if it was just me playing Paul, I would have been a lot more toned down. But Alejandro's like, dude, just trust me. Bring it up. Be, be more animated. Uh, trust me in this. This is going to be, this is going to work. And I learned how to, you know, put more trust in the other people and directing and, and the product will come out well and take a lot of winnings. This is the milestone for my career. And I will always go back to being on Rebel and doing this whole experience, even 10, 20 years down the line. That's awesome. Awesome, man. That's good stuff. Very good stuff. So thanks for that answer. That was great. So I have to ask, since I, I, I have tried to ask everybody this, um, I did I did miss this last couple of actors, but I need to start this question back up because it's very, you know, near and dear to my heart. So you're in New Mexico and you were you were in Texas when you filmed this. When was the last time you ate Whataburger? Oh, you know what? I last time I ate Whataburger was Last week, when I was very fortunate to be near one after 11 p.m., when they have those honey biscuit, honey, honey, <laughs> honey chicken biscuit, chicken biscuit. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> I found myself at the right place at the right time, and I took advantage. And I Sterling, took advantage that's of that, the best answer we've gotten from this. It really is. We've we've had some. We've had a, a mixed bag of answers. Uh, we I forgot to ask Daniel this when we were recording, but I asked him after we were recording, and he said, "Oh, nobody took me to Whataburger." I was like, "What the fuck is wrong with everybody you were around?" <laughs> <laughs> you make time and you find one. Yeah, I was I was just I was flabbergasted that he spent however many weeks here in Texas and then had come back for South by Southwest and all this other shit and still hadn't eaten a Whataburger. Blew my fucking mind. He didn't get no HBCB. <laughs> about Austin, he didn't get though. no HBCB. That's bullshit. <laughs> One of my favorite things, favorite restaurants, and I, I hate it, and my mouth is watering just thinking about it, is Torchy's Tacos, yeah, man. boy. Yes, I sir. I got one in Tulsa. That's good 35 stuff. 35 miles away, my man. Um, <laughs> Torchy's is, it was just amazing. The best hangover food, the best breakfast tacos. Uh, it was so delicious. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm going to slightly disagree with that because Whataburger is good for anything. True. Um, especially, I mean, you go, you go late at night and you get that sausage Bob, man, that's, that's fantastic right there. Sausage Bob. If you get that jalapeno cheddar biscuit with it. Yeah. That's when it, that's when it kicks up. I remember um, one time I went with my wife. We, I don't know. I don't know why we went, but I wanted to order breakfast and it was 1057 and they wouldn't let me do it. I was like, so you start at 11. And so I literally was like, okay, I'm going to read my order out as slow as possible <laughs> so I can get this <laughs> this jalapeno <laughs> cheddar sausage biscuit. And I literally did it. It was funny. It was great. It was the best thing ever. You do what you got to do to get what you want. And I was like, I'll have uh, um, a... Uh, I totally picture you doing that. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, now, I, I usually <laughs> go with a prime number here, but I think I I, just, I really did just draw it out. <laughs> it was 11 p.m. <laughs> I don't doubt that one bit. Don't, because I fucking did it. I did it. You got to do what you got to do. This is a new. This is also a question that I, I'm debuting for the first time ever. Uh, I've been wanting to ask this for a while, and I just haven't found the opportunity yet. But I really think this is a great one. This might seem a little left field, but there's actually a very cinematic reason why I'm asking this, and I'll, I'll explain it afterwards. But what is your favorite sandwich? I think I know where this is going. 
and I will play along, and I will let you know my all-time favorite sandwich, hands down, peanut butter and jelly. Classic. <laughs> nice. I do classic. like that answer, because I love, I still eat those Insta all the classic. time. Kristen Cage, Insta classic. Insta oh. classic, classic, classic. You know, three pieces of bread, wheat bread, creamy peanut butter, not that crunchy crap, grape jelly. No, no pulp. No pulp, man. Keep it creamy. And that's all I need in my life. See, I, I, I get the inspiration from that question because one of my all time favorite movies is Chef. And <laughs> it deals it deals around my favorite sandwich. My favorite sandwich of all time is a Cuban. I love a Cubano. And I, I can I can just watch that movie all day, every day. I can eat Cubans all day, every day. And I was I watched that movie like a couple of weeks ago and I'm like, I'm gonna start asking what people everybody's favorite sandwich is. And to me it's movie related because I was inspired that question from Chef. So. Okay, guys, real quick, divulge your sandwiches. Heather, go. Oh, boy. Um, man, I don't know, because peanut butter and jelly is kind of up there for me. Um, let me go with something different. Grilled cheese. Mm-hmm. Always. All the time. Love grilled cheese. Mr. Jastin. Man, I'm, I guess I'm going to go with another classic, man. I like the club. I like the, the three different meats that you can get on it. So, yeah. Yeah, I like the nice. I'll go with the club. Go with the club. Can't go wrong with the club. <laughs> Peasants, all of you. The Monte Cristo. That's <laughs> a fucking sandwich for oh, your ass. That's a good the one. Monte Cristo. <laughs> <laughs> See, the Monte Cristo. The, the Monte Cristo is good. Don't get me wrong. I love a Monte Cristo, but yeah, they are. I mean, good. that don't even break. That didn't even break top three sandwiches for me. I've spent a great deal of time thinking about top sandwiches. <laughs> wow. You can't tell because it really is. It's it starts with the Cuban and then it's a Reuben or a Rachel. I'm not huge on a Rachel, but a Reuben. Mm, Rachel's not good. And then like like a tuna a tuna sandwich, no, like a tuna salad oh, sandwich. Gross. That's awful. For, for me, top three would have to be uh, like a, a chicken sandwich, like either grilled or fried, uh, a rib sandwich. And then for me, Monte Cristo, because it's the rarity. Like you don't really pull up on a Monte Cristo everywhere. That like, Monte Cristo is like is like you know you cheat on all the other sandwiches if there's a Monte Cristo there. Like I'm sorry, I don't care where you go. If somebody's like Monte Cristo, <laughs> you like damn. It's been a long damn time since I had one. Actually, movies are the reason I had a Monte Cristo for the first time because um, when I started working in the theater, we used to do trade outs with uh, Johnny Carino's, right, Justin? Mm, cheddar's right. I want to say Cheddar's had that Monte Cristo. Yeah, Cheddar's. Yeah, cheddar's. It was Cheddar's, cheddar's man. It was cheddar's. cheddar's. And then I, I can't remember who said, you need to get a Monte Cristo. And me, I'm like a 17 or 18 year old kid. I was like, man, I'm, I've read that book and seen that movie. I, you don't eat that. And they're like, no, you peasant. It's a sandwich. And man, I have that Monte Cristo. And I think that's the only thing I ate for like two <laughs> weeks straight. That's all I could think about. It was like the first time I was kissed by a pretty girl. That's all I wanted. I just wanted another one over and over and over again. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that was a good damn sandwich. Now, I'll say this. I'll say this about that Cheddar's Monte Cristo. Most Monte Cristos are served with strawberry jam, but Cheddar's hits you with that raspberry. Oh, it was so good. So good. Yeah. And it had some, it had a little bit of, G, a little bit of seeds in it. You got a little crunch. Ooh. Oh, I might have to go take a cold shower. Think about the sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) We might be digressing right now, but that is something that is lost when it comes to those types of jellies or jams. Blackberry and raspberry jams 
need to have some fucking seeds in them. And I'm so tired of walking up into Walmart and all the Blackberry has no seeds. <laughs> Preach. I, this has nothing to do with shit, guys. I'm sorry, but you needed to, you all needed to hear this. <laughs> you needed, you all needed to hear this. So passionate about it. You need to diversify yeah. sandwiches, motherfuckers. Get off that bologna. Whenever I, whenever I eat now, if you have real bologna, though, that's some good shit. Hmm. I guess I've never had real bologna then. <laughs> like from a deli. Not like not like the packaged shit. But like if you actually go to a mm-hmm. deli, get some bologna from them. That's some good shit. Some of that fresh cold cut. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Now, I mean, we can go back to like normal movie, you know, stuff now. It's just that was something that was very important to me because I'm probably going to watch Chef tonight. Oh, no worries. You know, I talk sandwiches all day long. I'm actually uh, thinking about opening up a sandwich joint myself. Oh, what kind of sandwiches? What are you going to do? Peanut butter and jelly, baby. Just straight variations of it? Only. Straight, just that. Straight peanut butter <laughs> jelly? It's like, what we got? Well, you got peanut butter and jelly with grape. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm talking about all kinds <laughs> of different strawberry. jams. All different kinds of jams, all kinds of different jellies, all kinds of different stuff. I don't want to go into detail, but it's going to be some, some crazy stuff, some out-of-the-box stuff. Now, when you get that blackberry, just make sure it has seeds. That's all I'm saying. You know what? I'm taking your word. I, I wrote it down as you said it. Like, all right, yeah. seeds are important in blackberry jam. And raspberry. Yeah, because, I mean, when I eat blackberries, <laughs> I expect seeds. When I eat raspberries, I expect that little, you know, the little seed texture to it. Yeah. Whenever I get it without that, it just feels like I'm being robbed of a essential component of what it's like to eat the berry. And it's a, and it's a texture thing, man. It's a, that, it's that texture. You want to you wanna feel that as a freshness with texture. That's what people always miss. You know, I don't need everything to be a fucking smoothie. That's why I got these incisors over here, okay? <laughs> so I can nah, 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 cut through shit. Nobody gets mad at strawberries for having seeds. Yeah. I mean, so why are we taking out <laughs> the rest of the berries? Fuck ass strawberries. Overrated. <laughs> yeah, as far as berries go, the strawberries like maybe fifth or sixth on the list. I don't know. I kind of really like them. They're kind of up there for me. I'll put them in top five. I said that, and then I started thinking. I started thinking after I said that, is there really that many types of berries? Oh, there's a shit ton of berries. <laughs> Fifth or sixth. <laughs> yeah, but I'm talking about like logistically, like the normal types you eat. Raspberries. Oh, yeah, strawberry, raspberry, strawberry, blueberry, um, cranberry. Uh, See, you can get you can get into like lingonberries, which nobody typically eats lingonberries outside of crepes. Uh Juniper berries, but at the same time, nobody eats those unless it's in gin. Yeah, hey, people drink a lot of gin. That's a drinkable berry right there. Yeah, that's pretty much a fucking smoothie. (laughs) (laughs) That's what gin is. You heard it here first. Gin is a smoothie. (laughs) (laughs) Open up a smoothie king. Duly noted. Open up a smoothie king, and it's just gin. (laughs) It's all comes from a berry, baby. (laughs) <laughs> it's healthy revitalize your body i'm gonna start using that logic i'm just drinking an adult smoothie every time i have a gin and tonic there you go <clears throat> sounds legit because that's that's my go-to i'm drinking a ton drink if i if i know i'm gonna go 10 13 drinks deep give me some gin and tonics 10 13 drinks deep god damn slow down there rick james god damn i am not when i come up to chicago i'm not fucking drinking with you man the only thing i'm drinking with you is water <laughs> <laughs> not fucking he said 10 13 deep that's that's how you end up with a 300 hundred dollar tab at a cash bar at a wedding no 
Yep. I have never had. And that was in Texas. That wasn't even here. So I've never had a tab more than $50 in my life of alcohol. In my defense, that also included like, I think, $80 in tips to the bartenders. Well, at least you did that. But I was white girl wasted at the end of that. That's all that matters. And that's the best <laughs> waste is white girl wasted. At a wedding. You want to fight? <laughs> that I was the reverend for. You want to fight and hug everybody at the same time. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody in the history of ever has gotten in a fight when they get drunk on gin and tonics. Oh. Wait a minute. You had a $300 tab being the reverend? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very complex hey. souls here. Oh yeah, there are some. <laughs> That's a first for me. I, I'm not judging. All right, so Kenny, what movie are you looking forward to seeing the most this year? Like for the rest of the year, what movie are you looking forward to the most? <sighs> for the rest of the two, rest of 2018. Yeah, I mean, I can run down some if you want, because the end of December is jam packed full of goodies. Yeah, name them off for me. I mean, all right, so starting December 19th to the end of the year, you have Mary Poppins Returns, Aquaman, Bumblebee, Welcome to Marwin, Holmes and Watson, uh, Vice Destroyer on the Basis of Sex, and that's the end of the year. Oh, gosh, so many good ones. Jeez. <laughs> that is good. Yeesh. <laughs> and and I, I know we've talked some shit about the Transformers movies before in previous podcasts, but... I've actually heard a lot of things about Bumblebee and it's actually supposed to like a lot of people are saying it's like way better than the Transformers movies have been. Eh. And it's mainly because Michael Bay is not doing it. Is it more than meets the eye? (laughs) (laughs) It's not that hard. That's the first dad joke I'm accepting. Like, I'm not going to begrudgingly leave it in the podcast. <laughs> ah, yes. Yeah. Progress. Progress. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I have no interest in seeing Bumblebee. You forgot about Enter the Spider-Verse, too, Sterling. That shit's coming out, too. Oh, yes. Enter the Spider-Verse. And Mortal Engines. And and also Gross. the mule. I did miss the mule, yes, too. Yes, the mule looks awesome. With, with Bradley Cooper. And, yes. Oh, yeah. And, and Clint Eastwood. Yeah, yeah. I would say yeah, either the mule or or Aquaman. I would say yeah. I think Aquaman looks all right, man. I hope it's good. I hope I hope this is Jason Momoa's vehicle to really make him a leading man. Well, l- earlier tonight, not to get into anything crazy, they haven't they haven't released the embargo on reviews, but they have released the embargo for impressions. So a few movie reviewers have ar- already seen Aquaman. And it's bad, and it's. It's getting positive. It's getting positive feedback. Oh, is it? Uh, yes. Um, there are people. I mean, it's you know some of it's not gr- like completely great, but most people are saying it's fun. Uh, there are people saying it's the best DC movie yet. Uh, one person said it's the best Marvel movie DC's done so far. Wow. <laughs> um, that's funny. <laughs> yes. It, but a lot of a lot of it has been on on Momoa. A lot of them are saying he owns the role and does an amazing job with it. Well, that's what you want when you're playing the title character. So that's good because that shit does not always happen. And the other thing is a lot of there's a lot of talk about Juan, the director, saying that he's really taken this kind of old and frankly stupid as fuck comic book character. And, and made him like modern and, and, and more relevant than he's ever oh, been. He looks magnificent in that Aquaman suit. Uh, when I saw that on the trailer, I was like, oh man, I don't think, I never thought I'd say this, but Aquaman looks bad ass. 
you know, in Oh, and that orange and green when he does that traditional. I mean, I like him green. in the comics when he doesn't have a hand and he has a hook and he has a shirt off. Like I thought that's a badass when he's has long hair, all blonde like Thor. But when I saw that, I was like, God, he looks fucking bad. Because I mean, Jason Momoa is just a beautiful man. I can say that without he is vastly superior to ninety nine percent of the population. That guy is. It's unfair how good he looks. I'm glad there's only one of him on the planet. Oh, that's competition. Yeah, yeah. I mean, can you imagine her a two if he had a twin? If he had a single twin, I wouldn't be married. My wife would be freaking trying to roll the dice and win the lottery. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> but yeah. I, I do like that trend he has at, at Comic-Cons and things like that. When he does photos with couples, it's typically like him hugging the girl and like kicking the guy away from yeah, them. <laughs> yeah, I saw a whole bunch of those pictures. And he just seems like an awesome guy. Like, if you just look at, you know, stuff that's on YouTube or anything, he just seems like a really fun guy. And he likes to drink beer and climb walls and uh, be married to Lisa Bonet, which I'm like, hey. And throw axes. And throw axes. Throw axes. And, and throw axes and drink beer. That's that's awesome. That's He's the first guy I've seen that has worn capri, capri pants and flip-flops, and I didn't think he looked stupid. <laughs> oh, you see me wearing plenty of times. You never said I look stupid, Sterling. Yeah, because I'm nice. <laughs> yeah, precisely. That's why. Hey, hey, you have to admit you cannot pull off capris and flip-flops like that motherfucker right there. I can't pull off existence like he can. That's not a fair comparison. Like, you can't just be, can you do it as well as Jason Momoa? Okay, then you're shit at it. That's not, that's not fair. That isn't fair. Hey, I'm going to argue my... My beard is comparable to his, so I'll I'll say that. Oh no, no, I haven't seen it. My yet. beard is luxurious as fuck. I'm not saying that, but he doesn't have. He's like a, he just has that rugged, handsome thing going. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, like you, um, like if you look at the pictures of him younger, like you would never be like that dude's gonna look awesome with long hair and a beard. He just looks good no matter what he does. Whatever he does, it doesn't matter. He's good. He's he's, he's just on that note he's though. Got it. So you said, so you were saying the, between the mule and Aquaman, Kenny? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The mule looks pretty good. I mean, I'm always a, a Clint Eastwood fan. I'll, I'll always watch his flicks, but it's between those two. I mean, I'm, I'm going to see a ton of these movies, but I'm, I'm truly looking forward to Vice. I, yeah. I loved Big Short. Yes. And oh, yeah, I yeah. I think this is going to be another version of that. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, it's Adam McKay, yeah, Christian Bale as Dick Cheney. Uh, Oh yeah, Steve Carell as uh, Donald Rumsfeld, and you have uh, Sam Rockwell as George W. I think that movie looks so damn good. I love me some Sam Rockwell. Miss W. Great. That was the only concern. Oh man, you need to watch that trailer because yeah, it, that trailer though, like you see a conversation when it's like you know George W. trying to convince Dick Cheney to be his pre- uh, VP, and it honestly like Sam Ro- Rockwell looks like Sam Rockwell mixed with George W in that scene, but he sounds a lot like W, but Ch- Christian Bale is Chaney. I'm every time I see that, I'm like, that's an Academy Award right there. Cause he looks and sounds just like that motherfucker. Except for some reason, he's more menacing and evil. I, that's, I was like, God, how did he make Dick Chaney look even more like a villain? Oh <laughs> man. How I just, and I, and I'm so happy they're having the shotgun scene where he shoots that guy in the yeah. face in the movie. I'm so excited for that. I can't wait to see that part. For the apology scene when that guy apologizes to him for shooting him in the face. Because that happened in real life. He shot a man in the face mm. with a shotgun. 
And then the duty shot apologized to him. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> and on that note, we appreciate everybody for listening to the podcast. Check us out on the internet, www.cinemaslayers.com. We have our Threadless store there if you want to buy any merch. We've got links to that. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you have. We are also now on Spotify as of this week. So Woo! if you prefer to listen on Spotify and you've been listening to us on something else, now we're on Spotify. So check us out there. And Kenny, where can people find you or uh, you know hear from you like to find out what else you're going to be in or anything like that? Yeah, you can check me out on uh, Facebook. It's Kenneth McLaughlin, K-E-N-N-E-T-H. Last name is M-C-G-L-O-T-H-I-N. And it's also Kenneth.L.McLaughlin on Instagram. Uh, you can find me at McLaughlin 36 on Snapchat. And I have a Twitter account that I've never sent a tweet out before, but you can find me on there at the same number and same name. And uh, check me out if you're ever in the Albuquerque or Santa Fe, New Mexico area and need some actors or need a production company to shoot your film. Or if you're worldwide and you need some good production company to shoot your film, hit us up. We're 4.5 films out here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Awesome. And that does remind me, we are cinema underscore slayers at Twitter. I knew I was forgetting something. You can also check us out on Instagram, cinema slayers on Instagram. Other than that, guys, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.